Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Grape Top Church Online. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove. We are so glad to be in March. Um, we are starting a new series called True Self Care this month. True Self Care. And I believe, as a preface, I should say that uh, before I get uh, backlash from super Christians, um, <laughs> this is uh, in this month. Um, I'm going to be talking about some false ideas of self-care and talking about um, really helpful ones uh, that are biblical and spiritual. I think that a lot of uh, self-care methods that are promoted by individual influencers are a lot of times stuff that they just made up um, and aren't necessarily helpful. They're just more so um, predominantly like selfish ideas to feel good. And in the sense, a lot of self-care promotes um, whatever feels good, do it. Um, which isn't necessarily true self-care or healthy. That's the sign outside that fell. Um, it's probably just the pole, so just get that and bring it inside and um, pray over it. Uh, and, but as I was saying, um, uh, a lot of uh, the idea of just do whatever feels good is actually not true self-care. Because... You can really destroy your life by doing that. I mean, just a simple example, too much honey will make you sick. <laughs> too much honey will make you sick. If you just, if, if you like sweets, if you just do whatever feels good, it will make you sick. It will, it will literally danger, endanger your health. Um, s- simple, small example, but it, it's true. It's very universal in principle. Um, so with that being said, Today, our, uh, we're going to talk about the first step forward. The first step forward in true self-care. And I wanted to share a story in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And it says, Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I still forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his master commanded that he be sold along with his wife and children all that he had had and, re, uh, and repayment be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I'll repay you everything. And the master of the slave felt compassion and he released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he would pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their master all that had happened. 
Then summoning him, his master said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his master moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he would repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if, you, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. So, pretty intense scenario, right? <laughs> what, uh, the first thing that I want to point out, just as like extra credit, is that it's describing a, a king in the way that he views the people he's king over as slaves. Shows what, uh, how governments often view the, the people that they're supposed to serve, right? As slaves. That's what we are to, our, to the governments of the world. <laughs> um, that was just extra credit uh, uh, anarchist stuff. But what, what I want us to really focus on is this guy, the main person of the story, that was forgiven this huge debt but didn't forgive uh, his, his friend. And the first point I want us to pull from this is stop choking people. Stop choking people. I think most people, when they read this story, they, they generally do not identify with this man. They think, if I was forgiven that much, I would forgive too. I, this guy, he, what a jerk he was. I can't believe he did that. And we see ourselves as the hero of the story, that we would just operate completely differently. Y'all hear that? Oh, well. <laughs> it, it's okay to just have random noises in this building. Um, but we, we make ourselves out to be the hero. We don't generally imagine ourselves as the, the villain or the person that is blatantly doing something wrong. And I want to say that blaming others for what you're facing doesn't help you. Blaming others for what you're facing doesn't help you. What's interesting about this, this man is that at first glance, he was forgiven uh, the... This, the person that was forgiven the debt seems like a real dirtbag. And we think, how could you ever be like that after being forgiven of such a great debt? But many of us behave the same way. I want you to put yourself in his shoes. He had a traumatic experience in which his very life was on the line. His whole way of life was about to change in a minute. And he thought he was going to lose everything. He thought he was going to lose not only all of his belongings, everything that he has worked for in his life. He thought he was going to lose his family, his kids. He, he thought everything was going to be taken from him. And he was begging for mercy. I want you to think about your own self, your own life, and think if you've ever been in a traumatic experience like that, to where you felt like you were going to lose everything. Or maybe you did, in fact, lose everything. Have you ever had to beg for your life? I mean, just the, that action alone is a traumatic experience. Having to beg for your life. That's something that marks you. It, it's the most humbling thing you could ever do. And he was begging for his life, begging for mercy. And he was afraid. He was emotional. He was traumatized from this experience. We have been afraid like that before. You have most likely felt afraid like that in some point in your life. And so while he was, may have been released from that punishment, released from this, this debt, he was still traumatized by the whole experience. He was still emotional. Think about the things that you've been through in your life. Do you just like 
Uh, when it all works out, are you just like, well, I guess I didn't have to worry after all. <laughs> it is a traumatic experience. Uh, I, after going through extreme pro- poverty, I have my garage is full of like <laughs> of, of back shelf food just in case there's another pandemic. You, I remember going to the grocery store and the shelves being completely empty and the fear that I had just of what, uh, what if I'm not able to feed my kids? That traumatic experience after it's like, oh, it was all okay at the end. We all had enough toilet paper. I don't think we ever ran out of toilet paper at my house. It was really hard to find. I remember having to get up extra early to go wait in line for toilet paper, something I never thought I would have to do. But at the end of the day, everything was fine. We, we didn't go hungry. We didn't, have, uh, we, we didn't have extreme lack. But just it was an experience that was scary to where even to this day, I'm now live my life slightly differently because of that experience where it was just traumatizing even though nothing happened in the end. In the same way, we all go through experiences like that that mark us even though everything was okay in the end. And this man being traumatized, rather than accepting the blame on himself, he put it on someone that had owed him money. The other dude owed him money. Wouldn't you naturally think I would have never had to go through this if that, this guy would have paid me on time. If they would have paid me on time, I would have never had to go through this. And it's really a natural reaction of how we would think. And even though this fellow servant mathematically wouldn't have solved his problems, he had partial blame. It's not like if this one guy would have paid him back, he would have never had that experience. But he had this partial blame. This partial blame to him. And when we are emotional, when we're emotional, when we're strung out on life, we often look around, uh, we often looked around us and at people we could partially blame for our problems. Whenever you're going through a hard time, think back to the last hard experience you went through and think about who you tried to blame, who had partial blame in that situation. And when we're feeling emotional like that, we attempt to put all the blame on them. Mathematically, they may have partial, but we attempt to put all of the blame on them. I think part of this way of thinking is actually by our feelings. It's thinking by your feelings rather than by your logic. And we feel that we are more important than others. This man was forgiven of a debt in a way that was undeserved. That's the way we see it. When we read it third person, it's like, well, he didn't deserve it, but he, he received it. He should be thankful. And outwardly, we can clearly see that. But when we are going through it, generally, generally, just like this man, we actually feel like we do deserve it. We feel like we deserve to be forgiven. We feel that we actually deserve, uh, that most of us feel that we are deserving of a second chance. Wouldn't you all agree? Everyone, whenever a bad situation happens, like, just give me a second chance. And it's just reactionary. It's like, come on, you're really not going to give me a second chance? We, we almost instinctively feel that we deserve second chances. We feel that uh, most of us feel that we deserve a lot more than what we get. We often feel that we deserve a lot more than what we get because of our pride, because of our ego, because of our self-perception. It amazes me 
that we as people can literally default on a loan. We can default on a credit card and truly feel like we don't have to pay it back. Think about that real quick. People genuinely feel that they shouldn't have to pay back money that they borrowed and spent and couldn't pay back. Why is that? Is it because it's logical? No, it's because of the way we feel. It's because of the way we perceive ourselves, that we are deserving. All of this to say that no matter how much we try to pass the blame, it doesn't solve our problems. It only feeds these delusions of our egos, and it divides us of people who we are close to. This was a fellow servant. They worked together. They were friendly enough to, to share money with each other. And when we uh, try to constantly pass the blame, it, it divides us against people we are close to. You can look at any time that you pass blame, it divides you against those people. And it's often people that at one point were helping you. And it only feeds the delusions of our minds of how important we think we are, of how deserving we think we are. Y'all feel what I'm saying? So let's stop choking people. Let's stop choking people. It's your fault. You ever choke anyone before anyone in this room? <laughs> Don't have to answer that. Um, let's go into our second point, which is stop blaming people. Stop passing the blame. Stop passing the blame. The first step in self-care is taking responsibility. The first step in self-care is taking responsibility. And I believe that this is one undertone that you will rarely hear in uh, the influential circle of self-care, uh, self-care coaches, if you will. And that is the simple idea of taking responsibility. Now, let me elaborate. The goal for most people in life is to become independent. This is a goal within our lives. And some may argue a bit against this idea, but let me, let me share more. As children, we often dream of the day that we're older and can do things on our own. Even right now, it is so annoying to put clothes on my kids. They're three, two, and one. The three and two-year-old constantly, I want to do it. I want to do it. I'm like, dude, you do not know how to like, do it. <laughs> just let me, we're, like, we're in a hurry. I want to do it. And so you just, as a parent, half the time at points, you're trying to get ready. It's not that there's all these other things to do. There, I mean, there's things to do, but it's waiting for your kids to put on their clothes. Because if you try to do it for them, they will take it off and then try to do it themselves. I mean, talking about going potty, just, just let me sit you on there. Like, no, I want to do it. There for like literally 90 seconds, seeing this two-year-old with their pants down, trying to put their butt on the toilet seat. It's ridiculous. Brushing teeth, oh my gosh. It's disgusting for one, seeing a, a kid try to brush their own teeth like that. Spit everywhere. And, and I'm OCD, so I'm just like, you're not brushing them, right? But the, there's this, this within us, this desire to be independent, even as children. And at every stage that we grow, we desire more levels of independence. Think about the first time that you were driving your car. Then there's, for a lot of us, it, it was somebody else in the car, a parent or an older person in the car with you. And you, even at, like, it's your first time driving, and you're like, man, I can do this on my own. 
you already want to just take the car out and you don't even really know how to brake. Like it, it's, it's absurd as an adult and you're like, dude, just chill out, let us be here and then once you're ready, you can go. But even at every stage, you're just ready to go. You're ready to be independent. Think about this scene. You're living in this multi-bedroom house. You, you have generally your bills paid. It's perfect environment, right? But you desire to leave and get a, a crappy one-bedroom apartment, probably 600 square feet, and have to pay all of your own, uh, own bills and work like a dog to pay them and barely have enough, but it feels great. This is the first time moving out of your parents' place. But it, it mathematically, logically doesn't make sense. You're, you're, you're giving so much more, but getting so much less. But at the end of the day, you can't put that kind of price on independence. Independence, that freedom, is, is transcendent. And so we're willing to work harder and, and pay more to be able to have that independence and freedom. It's something that we just... It, we desire within ourselves. What is the famous saying? Give me liberty and give me death. That, that's literally each of us as teenagers. We would fight the very people that raised us, that fed us, that changed our diapers. We say, give me liberty or give me death. Give me my independence or give me death. We teenagers are the perfect example of rebellion, right? <laughs> it, what they really are is the perfect example of in this innate desire of independence. And so understanding that we all have this desire of independence, even looking at most entrepreneurs, did you know that most of most entrepreneurs motivation is so that they could be their own boss being independent of someone else being in charge. Y'all get this. And so because this freedom is worth the cost you can't really put a price on it, this feeling of freedom, this feeling of independence. And while independence is something we all pursue, we don't always know how to be truly independent. It's known within millennials, there's two groups of millennials. There's delayed adulting millennials, and then there's, um, there's the, the normal kind of uh, Generation X following millennials, but still have minor dependencies. For example, late adulting is a 30-year-old millennial still living, living at home, while, uh, while the generation before us, they're like 18 and married, right? <laughs> and the, the other group of millennials is kind of like follows that path of early adulting, get, uh, getting their own place, and they could uh, be living their life, have kids, kind of following that, that, that path, but still mom is paying for the car insurance. So it's like this level of dependence still within adulthood. So what I'm, I share all that to say that a lot of times we don't know how to be truly independent and it can lead to incredibly frustrating moments in life that we didn't expect. This man in this story obviously had this level of dependence not, not from the king and this, the, the massive debt he couldn't repay, but he had this massive debt to repay, and he was also loaning out money. And he had this, uh, I'm sure within whatever, this is a parable, of course, but how many times that truly happens to where we have these ideas of relying on other people, and when it falls through, we blame them. 
But in reality, we put ourselves dependent on their actions. And any time that you put somebody, that you put yourself in a situation where you're dependent on someone's actions, you're, you're setting up risk. So in order to reduce that, that level of negative surprise is really by learning how to weigh the costs of those risks with every dependent and independent decision. Y'all feel what I'm saying? I'm talking about being grown-ups. And any time that you put yourself in a position of relying on someone else for something important or especially something financially related, you must be realistic in the way people simply are. Think about it. You have to cut your teeth just to make it yourself. A lot of us grind just to survive our own. And we assume that when we put these dependencies in place that people will bend over backwards for us. When in reality, they're barely making it for themselves. So given the choice to help them or help you, naturally, what do you think that they're going to do? And it's not this, this pessimistic look on people. It's a realistic look on people. People will rarely sacrifice themselves to help somebody else. Even scripture tells us that even for a good person, very few would sacrifice themselves for a good person, let alone just a normal person like us. And so we have to understand that when it comes down to it, given the chance to save oneself or to save you, they will most likely choose themselves, especially since all of us feel that we deserve it. In the same way you feel like you deserve them to bend over backwards for you, they feel that they deserve that you should just let this one slide because they're just trying to make it too. You see this paradox of, of egotistical thinking that we have? And so when the opportunity to blame comes up, the best thing is to do is to accept the independence you want and the blame that comes with it. In order to accept the independence you want, you have to be willing to accept the blame that comes along too. And any moment that you were dependent on someone or something and it fell through, that was a risk that you chose. It's a, that's a really tough pill to swallow some, uh, a lot of times because it doesn't mean that it's fair. It doesn't mean that it's fair. In no way am I saying that. But you can only learn by taking responsibility because it's only when you take responsibility that you choose to learn from it. You're a mature adult that can move on and learn from these kinds of mistakes and become better and greater after them. But it's only if we learn to take responsibility for it. It makes me think about my wife right before they, uh, we got married. Um, she had toxic relationship, um, not very healthy one. I'm glad that she dated this guy because it really showed her what like a dirtbag uh, boy man was like so that she was really excited when a real man came along. But um, that's bias, right? But they, they, uh, there was a point where she, had, uh, she got an apartment agreement in her name, but they were sharing the bills. A lot of people do this all the time, right? Moving in together, sharing, sharing bills, but typically one person is on the lease. Sometimes two, but one person. And there's a, there's a point where she wanted to move out. It was, uh, she moved out. She was done with it. This was, wasn't healthy. It was completely toxic. Really good decision for her. 
But then just a couple months uh, later, she gets this notice saying that uh, the bills haven't been paid. They're going to destroy her credit. And, uh, and, and the guy ended up just leaving the apartment and he wasn't going to deal with it. Wasn't going to pay back any of the money. Wasn't going to pay the rest of the lease. And so she's in this horrible predicament to where she didn't do necessarily anything wrong, but she was left with all of the blame, all of the repercussions because she made a choice of dependency. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And th this is like a big moment, but I want you to understand that especially with toxic relationships, uh, whether, whether friendships, romantic, or especially family, I want you to really grasp this because this will save you years of heartache and disappointments. If you know that this person and you have had unhealthy ups and downs, you should not allow yourself to be dependent on them even when they offer it. Because what narcissistic people often do is they offer a hand to help and then pull it away. It's like a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, you can have some. Well, whoa, now you need to pay for it. <laughs> it. It's a narcissistic way of thinking, but what people often do is they get in this horrible cycle of dependency of, with people that they don't want to be dependent with just because they didn't even ask for help, but they accepted the help that was offered. You need to understand that those are choices, even if it seems like a gift, those are choices of independency or dependency. And if you already know that you can't trust that person, then do not trust them. Y'all feel what I'm saying? You can forgive them. This, this whole message is about forgiveness. But do not put yourself in a position to where you're going to be uh, left high and dry again. Y'all feel what I'm saying? So it's the only way that you can grow and mature is by learning from those mistakes. You can't continue to blame other people the rest of your life. You have to accept that you are a choice maker of your life. And you, you have decisions to make. And when it went bad, you took the risk and, and gave it to them. You still have to accept the blame. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Let's go into our last point. It's like a grown-up message, right? It's like a, going to a tax awareness class for adulthood. Last thing is stop holding on. Nathan was like, that didn't make sense. I was hoping no one would catch it, but <laughs> stop holding on. Forgiveness is the only way to move forward. Now, in this last point, this is really what I wanted to say this entire message. Forgiveness is the only way to move forward. There are two kinds of people in the world. There's those who move forward and those who don't. Those who move on and those who don't. The difference is found in their willingness to forgive. The difference is found in their willingness to get, forgive. When we make ourselves the center of the world, we hold everyone accountable to what they may have done to us in some way. Just like in this story, even if someone may have had partial blame for something in our lives, we act as though all of the blame is on them instead of us. The most common people that we do this with is our parents. The most common people that we do this with is our parents. We blame them for everything. In fact, we as a generation have conditioned ourselves to blame our parents for nearly every single thing. From our own apathy and unwillingness to struggle, 
we blame our parents. To, our, to even our extreme addictions and emotional messes, we shuck all of the blame onto them. It, it's what we've been taught. It's what we've been conditioned to do. Blame our parents. And while childhood experiences may not have been fair, life in general is not fair. And definitely influences of our childhood affect our personalities and our initial lifestyle. There's habits for the rest of our lives start forming at the age of seven. It's an incredibly young age for habits to start forming in our life. But we are still in control of what kind of person we want to be. You are still in control of what kind of person you want to be. I, I always love sharing this, this story. This, uh, uh, it's a story of, imagine two, uh, there's this guy at the bar getting, getting super drunk. I mean, like, really wasted. And he's starting to not be able to speak. He's falling over in his chair. And the bartender says, man, is there someone I can call to pick you up? Cuts him off. And he says, my brother. Slides over his, his phone with his brother's number on it. Calls him. And his brother shows up. It's his twin brother. And he's sober as a bird. And he asks the guy before his brother showed up, man, how come you drink so much? And he responds saying, because my father did. And brother shows up all sober, says, hey man, do you drink? He says, no, not at all. He says, why don't you drink? Because my father did. And it's a, it's a beautiful illustration of how no matter what our childhood experiences are, we have a choice of what kind of person we want to be. We decide what kind of person we want to be. And each of us have decisions and choices. And some are harder than others. Some people's choices are harder than others because of their upbringings. But we have the power to choose. It's not about whether it's fair. It's about, uh, it's about you being the one that has to live with the consequences of those choices. And when you choose to forgive, when you choose to forgive, especially your parents. Hey, I'm talking about, I, I've, I've experienced trauma in my childhood. There's a lot of things that people go through with their parents. And I'm telling you that it, when you choose to forgive and let things go, it is the only way to find restoration for your own soul. It's the only way for you to find the, that, the grace and power to move forward is through forgiveness. When you hold on to it, it it's, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get hurt by it. It's, it gives way to this restoration, and it also gives way of the possibility of restoration with the people that you forgive. It unlocks the chains of bitterness over you and gives power to freedom and joy. It is only through forgiveness that people can move forward. It is only through forgiveness that people can move forward. I believe that a lot of the motivations of why people are inclined or interested in self-care is because of the way their life is right now. Whether the way they feel, whether they feel completely un unmotivated, whether they feel like deep within inside themselves, 
It's about how they feel. And so the self-care idea sounds promising. But I find that most of these thoughts and ideas are insatiable. That they, they can do this little task, try treating themselves, try to just take that Netflix binge, and then you're like, I still feel like crap. <laughs> it, it doesn't necessarily work, and it's only when we start with forgiveness, but it requires us having a level of responsibility because you have the choice to forgive. You have the independence in your life to choose what you want to do with it. With that being said, I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'm going to ask for two specific things while we have our heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here, and maybe at some point in this talk, you're having this realization of just this idea of independence, forgiveness, and you are realizing that you've never made your own choice to put your trust in Jesus Christ. You've never really gone through the steps of actually receiving that forgiveness from Him. And I want to say that the Bible makes it abundantly clear that all it takes to start a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I say relationship because Christianity is not just about a a feeling of our heart. Jesus literally says to weigh the cost make a logical decision about it. It, it is really about entering uh, an eternal relationship with your Creator. And it says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who He said He is. That He was the Son of God that died on the cross for our, the world's sins and rose from the dead. That surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is if you have a genuine conversation with Jesus, and acknowledge what he's offered, what he did for you, that that's all it takes to have to start this journey of walking with him. Repentance isn't a foul, mean, spiritual word. Repentance just means to change directions. We're walking one way in life, now we're walking this way. That's what repentance is. And so if you're here, with every head still bowed and eye closed, and that's you and you want to make that decision today, I want you to just raise your hand. I see your hands. I see all of your hands. So just there to yourself, you don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can just talk to God on your own and share what's really on your heart and share what you want from this moment forward. And as you're doing that, everyone else here, uh, this is the second thing I wanted uh, to pray for. If you're here and this whole message is pointing to this someone you need to forgive in your life. Whether it's your parents, one parent, a family member, someone that you thought was your friend, whatever it was, and you just know that you need to forgive them. Not because they deserve it, not because it's fair, but because you want freedom in your life. If that's you, with every head still bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. So just there to yourself, I want you to talk to God. And I want you to just talk to God about this person and what it is they did to you. I want you to let it out. Tell Jesus what it is you've been holding against them.
Share your authentic heart transparently. You don't have to hold back. You don't have to make it sound elegant. You don't have to make it sound like you're not really mad at them. You can share your frustrations and your, your real emotion about the way you feel about this person. And as you're talking to God about them, I want you to lead it into, with all this that they've done, I want to forgive them right now. I want to forgive them deep within my heart, deep within my soul. I want to release them from my life. I don't want them to be punished for what they did. I don't want judgment over them, anything like that. I want them to be forgiven. And I want to release them from my life right now. Just, just declare that forgiveness over them. And as you're doing that, you must know that forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. You may still come time to time of feeling emotional about what happened to you, and that's okay. But the choice to forgive is something that is, is made. God, right now I pray that you do work in people's hearts and you help them to find this genuine forgiveness in their heart. That you help them to really release these people from their lives so that they can find restoration and peace. I pray, God, that you'd bring them closer to you in this moment and that you'd help them find uh, this greater path forward through forgiveness now in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. With that being said, we're going to go into a time of worship. Before we do, we're going to sign off online. Thank you guys for being a part. We love you so much. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.